What up, y'all? It's um, quarantine season in full effect, and I'm fucking sleepy as shit. And uh, welcome to the Chopping Block Podcast, the Hi. audio iteration of our Chopping Block reviews on iStandardProducers.com, uh, where we go track by track and analyze albums, as well as our credit check, which is the most comprehensive listing of album credits that you will find on the internet. Of course, we're not going to sit here and go track by track on albums, but we are going to have a good hearty discussion about this week's releases and things that pertain to producers and songwriters as we do. You know what I thought about the other day in the shower, says? What's that? Way back in January when we did our first episode and you were like, wait, is the podcast the chopping block or is it the credit check? It should have been the credit check. But now we're 20 episodes in, so. <laughs> I'm mad at that revelation. In the shower. Like it was a fucking epiphany. Because I was thinking about, it was the day that we did, um, you know, you guys might have caught, we reviewed Future's album live on Monday. And um, I was like, damn, now we have the Chopping Block live when we do a review. And then we have the Chopping Block podcast but the podcast is really closer to credit check than it is to chopping block. And I should have listened to Sis. So my bad, Sis. It's okay. We can still talk shit about albums and music here, too. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, all right. So I'm sorry, you guys. I'm trying to get my bearings. I'm like sleepy. And this whole switching up the configuration on the computer is just not jiving as well with my brain as I thought it was going to and I'm just having a really hard time not looking at the one screen because <laughs> I'm retarded okay um let us have our requisite versus conversation shall we sure so when I made these notes I was way less excited about versus than I am now and y'all should know I mean I think we've established that I'm generally not excited about the whole versus thing in general we have we have um, all right, so Nelly and Ludacris went up against each other on Saturday. We did. I missed it. I did but not. from what I understand, uh, Cornell proceeded to sully my good last name once again and make all St. Louis everything look bad. Uh, so there was a really bad storm in St. Louis, and apparently the, even the kit that was sent to him by Timbaland and Swizz and the Versus folks could not save him from internet trouble. So um, it was rough for the first 20 minutes. Ludacris took advantage um, of that time to preview new music and go through stuff and hang out, and he kept about... Have wardrobe changes. <laughs> Got 250,000 people entertained until Nelly got his stuff together. Yo, from the clips that I've seen of Luda, it seems almost like Ludacris was like the big brother that's entertaining his little brother. You know, like letting you play whatever video game is hot and making you think that you have the same skill level as he does when everybody knows that you don't. Which is weird because I feel like there was this subsection of people who thought that Nelly actually was going to win. So what happened is we were all misled by the numbers. Right? Because when we looked at the numbers, when we looked at the billboard numbers, there was, it was like Nelly had four number ones and Luda had five, right? Mm -hmm. And then we looked at the streaming numbers and Nelly's streaming numbers are literally double Ludacris' streaming numbers on a monthly basis. 
On Spotify, yeah. On Spotify. Right. What we fail to realize is that Nelly has three songs that are generating the bulk of that shit. Well, that's, and that that was the funny part. Like, I watched it with a bunch of the folks after the pull-up, and the revelation was that Nelly's career was highlights, and that was it. So Nelly's mean- career was powered by a handful of really, really, really big hits. Exactly, right. And Ludacris's songs, even though Ludacris hasn't released anything that really stood out to any of us since uh, "How Low Can You Go," right? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think that's true. I think Luda just hasn't been main, main, mainstream. What's the last Luda song that you remember? I don't. I don't know any of the years of Ludacris's songs. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not even saying a year. I'm saying what's the last song? What's the last new song that he dropped that caught your attention? The intro to Ludaversal? Right. So Ludaversal was almost 10 years ago. That was 2015. Five years ago. Five is almost 10. That's a while ago. I mean, honestly. (laughs) It's five years. So, you know, and it's fine because Luda might be the first artist out of that generation who has a catalog that has crazy longevity and he doesn't have to keep making new songs. Like we are happy to listen to, and we don't even listen to his songs that often. Like I go to, you know, I go to bars in Atlanta where you will have like your good little, at least 15, 20 minute, um, like set of just Atlanta music. And how low can you go? Maybe what's your fantasy? Uh, move, bitch. It's like maybe five songs that you'll hear, right? Um, mm-hmm. in the sense of like, if you go to a hip hop party and they're gonna do a throwback set, you're gonna hear "Unbelievable" or you're gonna hear "One More Chance." Like, you know, Luda has a couple of staples, but when he played the songs that were hits for him when they came out, they've aged well. Well, Luda, it- Luda's also criminally underrated and always. Yes. That's just who he is. He's a guy that's always forgotten. But his songs, we have, we have as a culture, more connection to Luda's songs than we do Nelly's songs. Then we yes. do a lot of people's songs. Everything he was playing was like taking me back to moments in my life, like actual recollection of where I was when this stuff came out, like in the impact in the club or on MTV or BET or whatever. Like the only thing I remember about Nelly was tip drill. You remember EI. I remember the song, but it doesn't hold any, like, it's not attached to anything for me. Okay. I can get that. Like, I feel like for me, Hot in Here holds something because I was literally that girl that was looking in the mirror, calling my best friend, like, girl, I think my butt's getting big. So that song always means something to me because when it came out, I was that girl. But, like, Am I seeking out Nelly song? Like, do I have a single Nelly song on any of the playlists that I have? Then you, you, we've already talked about the fact that like I make these playlists and I listen to the same rotation of three hundred and fifty songs, and I'll add something here and there. There's not a Nelly song on any of them, as much as and even with the ones that I really, really love. So you know, it was a. I think it was a good case study of um, a musical career in theory versus in practice. And also, I think one of the other things I want to touch on is afterwards, uh, you know, don't don't get me wrong. Nelly is a legend, you know, for what he did 
um, for the movement that he started. He he had an impact and still has an impact. His music is impactful. Nothing that happened on Saturday is going to take away from Cornell's legacy. Um, what? Because the people driving up that those Spotify numbers wasn't watching no damn verses anyway. But what I do take issue with is clowns asking about oh, uh, y'all really was listening to Nelly? And I don't know if you caught this, but there was a big, big thing on Twitter. Some clown-ass dude, Snips, or whoever the hell he is, uh, decided that he wanted to share the opinion that he don't know nobody who actually listens to Nelly. Um, as if, you know, that made you some kind of whatever. Now, he's a pale gentleman from New York. Um, I don't really know the dude. You know, um, I don't really know his circle. I know he, you know, he brought up something about MF Doom or whatever. And, and don't get me wrong, like, basically he was one of them underground, extra underground clowns who thought that, you know, he could, like, put his opinion out there and all his, all his black friends would back him up, except they didn't because they was listening to Nelly too because music is about, you know, it's about a time and a place. And if you was in a club or if you was hanging out or you went to parties or whatever, like you had to be dead to not, you know, uh, like Dilemma. Like, what, like what's wrong with you? No, like, you didn't and, have to be dead to not like Dilemma. There's a lot of other reasons why you could have not liked Dilemma. You had to be dead to not like Dilemma. Like, no balls. That's an I was amazing, very much alive. I did not like Dilemma. That was an amazing record. And once again, I, I stand by what I said. That's an amazing record. Right, hot in here. These are amazing records. But can we, can we, like, I just really always want to come back to the point to you that I cannot like something and it can still be a good song. That's why we're just going to ignore the fact that you didn't like it. Okay, you didn't like cool. it. Still, the point remains. Because you're like, well, you had to be dead. No, I wasn't dead. I'm just, like, I wasn't, I wasn't here for Nelly's, I wasn't here for the boy girl, the, you know, love rap or love rap record or whatever at the time, that particular one. Um, it probably meant something more to people who grew up on the original. And so you had another emotional connection to that. What I will say is if you are over 30 and you sit here and tell me that there's not a single Nelly song that is attached to any moment of your life, use a motherfucking line. Well, I mean, you know, we all knew those guys who tried so hard to say they only listened to um, the most underground of music. Like, that was their badge of honor. But you, you went know? to the club. I mean, but, nah, you, you had those guys. It was like the kids in school that played Dungeons and & Dragons. And okay. my girlfriend would kill me because she was one of those kids. And I'm not dissing those kids, but what I'm saying is some things... Those kids niche. turn their noses up at anybody else's hobbies. But some things were, were niche, right? And, right? and at the time, like, I understood, like, there was a subsection of people who shunned the whole... under. You know, they were like, oh, we underground, we underground. Like, underground was this big thing. But it was also this big contrived thing. Because there right. were people who enjoyed those artists and also enjoyed mainstream artists, which you could do. And that's normal. But with yeah. this dude way too hard to be like, man, I ain't listening to no Nelly. That's like saying, I didn't listen to Snoop. You know, that's like saying, I didn't listen to Biggie. But there are people who will tell you, I don't listen to Biggie. I don't listen to Jay-Z. They exist. No, they I know they exist. I know they exist. And I don't even think that they're liars. I know that there are 
there are artists that I only hear when I go out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not sitting in the house right. listening to Nelly. I'm not sitting in the house listening to Lil it's John just, or even Luda. Preference, though. It's about... But the reality of it is that these two artists but it's are about what definitely are enjoying these things. That's what it's they, about. Uh, this guy is mad that other folks enjoy this stuff. Oh, so like, he's like the opposite of me. Like, I can walk in and be like, oh, you guys are having a good time. Okay, cool. I'll be over here when you're done. No, nah, my man's was mad. Without hating on your party. You know, my guy Dart Adams was like, who the fuck is this guy? You know what I'm saying? Like, I love Dart because Dart... Dart don't give a fuck. But Dart has his things. But it's funny because a lot of people think Dart is anti, but he's not. Dart is the reason why I know who Drake is. He put me on the Drake... Aubrey Graham, years and years and years ago. You can dip and be an expert in, in underground and understand things and be a student of the game and not be like, I only listen to Poison Pen. You know what I'm saying? Like, shout to those guys. Like, you can listen to that and still bop at the club on a weekend, especially in a place like New York. And then what it evolved into was a North and South thing again. I don't know how a battle with two Southern or two southernish type guys, Midwest and the South, because turned into another another chance, another opportunity for New let York. Me tell you why? To get out there and and lament their loss of hip hop. Because ego requires you to find fault in somebody else's shit to big up your own. Bottom line, um, niggas up north can act like they don't go to the club and dance. New Yorkers. New Yorkers can act like they don't go to the club and dance if they want to. I am a New Yorker and I'm here to tell you that that is not life. That was not life in 2003 when, you know, like when it was still the era of the the big bottle service clubs in New York. Like y'all went and y'all danced. Like y'all, you know, drop down, get your eagle on, comes on. If you are a man, (laughs) that song is going to turn out pretty well for you. Exactly. If there is a young lady who is inclined to listen to what Cornell is suggesting and drop down and get her eagle on, it's going to work out well for you. I am absolutely going to be the motherfucker whose knees are going to hurt the next day because I will drop down. I will attempt to get my eagle on. It might be a hawk. I'm not sure. (laughs) But I'm going to try it and tomorrow my knees are going to hurt. Like, And this is coming from somebody who hated country grammar hated EI, um, still kind of try to front on, um, what's the other song? Ride With Me? Oh, okay. See, I, I Is that enjoyed, what it's called? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed all those. I hated Country Grammar. Wait, me. I need a charger. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I enjoyed Air Force Ones. You know, uh, Shop at 19. Yeah, you definitely right. Cats were definitely leaning back. Uh, lean back. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird to see people act like things weren't popping that were popping. Like, I grew up in Philly, dog. I, I spent 10 to 12 years in that New York scene every day at those clubs. Right. I was on side. I was on 25th Street. I, whatever the venue was in the Meatpacking District before they changed the name, we was in there. Right, got- Exactly. Party and having a good time. We was at Greenhouse. We was at all them other joints. <laughs> Yo, I can't sit because my dog has decided that she needs to be between my legs. I'm sorry. She's cool. You know. But, oh, you know why? It's because it's her dinner time. I'm over here fucking. I also, at, I also was at Pyramid with end of the week. 
You know what I'm saying? So right, like, exactly. And that's the thing. Like, I don't understand why we're acting like we can't be multiple things. Like, I don't understand why we can't act like we can't enjoy multiple things. Because even I, who can be somebody who tells you that, listen, the, the, um, Girl, if you want to go sit somewhere, you guys bear with my dog who is a rescue dog who is tripping out right now because there's too many legs on the floor. And so she has, she feels the need. Nigga, you going to eat a chair? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> Today's episode featuring Kiko Chanel, the, <laughs> the rescue dog. See, y'all see her in the background? And then she stopped and looked at me like, bitch, you're not walking over here where the food is because it's dinner time. That's really what's happening. But yeah, back to um, like I can be a person who can tell you that I have my own weird reasons why I can't engage with the versus battles. I am definitely the person that's gonna go and check the playlist the next day and really have my moment or text my homegirl or have a conversation with you or whatever. I just don't like when it happens, usually it's happening on Saturday, I'm moving around, whatever. It just doesn't work for me. But I can recognize the value in each of the ones that we've had. The clout chasing in the comments is the most annoying shit ever. And, and that's another reason why it doesn't work for me. Everybody's comments look different. But let me tell you what my comments look like. It was Tierra Wack making everybody laugh. And it was Mariah Mills. If you don't know who Mariah Mills is, she's an adult star who only does things with white men. Hmm. You live here in Atlanta. I actually saw her at uh, a Red Bull event. But anyway, she's in there like, oh my God, Corinne, like every song, my whole feet. Are, I had to block her. And there's this, you had, you had Nelly stands who were like, man, Little Chris saying he's not even that good. Like, And then you got celebrities. Keisha Knight Pulliam was waiting for her shout out. Right. She was, you know, her whole, like, she's, she's DTP affiliated. She was waiting for that Rudy line. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that classic Rudy line. She got it. Luda gave it a shout out. Um, but that part of the game is it's annoying. It's borderline disgusting in some of the battles. Yeah. The way these cats act in there. It's like, yo, y'all in here acting like groupies. Yeah. Like 12 year olds. You know what I'm saying? Like it, that energy is weird. That's the part that, you know, I remember the first time I forget who it was. It was puffing somebody else in a, in a chat. And I forget why it was. It was an Instagram and it felt like a, a red carpet. And we're all in here with all these big names and everybody's, I think it was the first, first battle that really kind of started this whole, whole thing off. And when it was you know, Timberland and Swiss. Yes. Like the first time. No, yeah. actually just Blaze. this was the just blaze and Swiss beats battle. Okay. That was the battle. And that kind of, you know, that was a moment like, okay, I'm in here. Diddy's in here. You know, all these, all these, uh, you know, hip hop heavyweights are in here. But now it's just weird. Now you got the celebrities and the comedians and everybody trying to get a laugh and everybody's like, hey, look at me. And people trying to sell products and all that stuff. Shut up. Nobody's selling products. Wow. Yes, people were selling products. Oh, God. All right. So, look, here's here's where we are with these things right now. Um, apparently, the world wanted to see Brandy and Monica and Monica said no. Nah. Brandy went and did an interview about the fact that Monica said no. Um, if I was Monica, I would have said no to. Right. I, I agree. Because, um, and you and I had this conversation about Snoop in that there are certain artists who have amazing catalogs on their albums. Um, 
and even songs on their albums that will connect with you on a personal level. But those songs were not necessarily like on heavy rotation on anybody's radio station or anybody's MTV, BT, whatever. Monica has an amazing voice. Monica, you know, I'm, you know, I wrote a book with Monica's tour DJ. Monica stays on the road. Monica ain't got no 20 hits. Well, I, I think even more so, a lot of people don't have 20 hits. Let's keep it real. Let's a keep it a buck. But Monica also was right in the fact that people have been trying to pit Monica and Brandy against each other since they made a song together. Right. Now, in that sense, that would have been a good opportunity to go ahead and just be like, hey, like the same energy that Jill and and um, and Erica gave to give the slightly less Shea Butter version of that would have been, you know, to give the we sitting together at the nail salon version of that would have been great. But, but I, 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 I feel like she don't think that her audience and, the, you know, However, like their black Twitter, like I'm gonna say their black toxic Twitter is probably their fan base, but the older version of black toxic Twitter. And they're not gonna be here for that. There's gonna be the shade room and all those people hacking <laughs> up, and it's gonna be it, she don't want a negative connotation. Like she said, I watched these battles, you know, and she brought up the Sean Garrett and Dream Joint. She was like, that one got a little cringy after a while. And she just don't want it to turn into something that's not that. And I understand her protecting her brand. Right, I get that. Um, Keisha Cole said that she was here for a battle with Ashanti. I love you, Keisha. Let's stop. Please. Sis. Please. Don't do it. Let's just be really realistic about what our lives are and what our careers are and what our catalogs are. But she said that that's a possibility. Um, What else are they throwing around? Nori said that while he was filming Drink Champs with DMX, Swiss called DMX to tell DMX that Eminem wants to battle DMX. That's not a match if I want to see either. I don't even want to talk about it. About Swiss and, and, and Eminem? I'm so tired. I mean, about uh, DMX and Eminem? I'm so tired of this conversation. You know, like, I would like to see DMX battle somebody. I stayed up till... Five in the morning arguing with my with my brother Justin Tinsley from ESPN. Um, arguing with some random about DMX's catalog versus Jay-Z. And the versus more Jay-Z? Uh, right, versus Jay-Z, which was the initial conversation, which is also what DMX actually wants. Right. We, and we so, talked about that. Right. And we'll come back to that. But the, the conversation made me really, really, really take a deep dive at the rise and fall of DMX as an artist. Now, it's very similar in a way to Nelly, except X had more hits per album. Right. I would, but he did all of his damage in a in a three album span. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it's funny because people who don't who weren't around for Grand Champ don't realize how big of a disappointment that was. They don't realize how big of a disappointment the last two albums he put out on Def Jam were for us who were actually out there, DMX fans. He gave right. us couple singles or whatever but on the whole um year of the dog or whatever and and grand champ were like meh you know we kind of took the little singles that we had but it wasn't and then there was x which is his magnum opus exactly 
because and I mean, and that doesn't mean that last year when we were at South by DMX did a show and it was a whole mood, like when he ran through his hits, but it ain't 20 of them. And right. you're not going up against Jay-Z unless we very much say it's your first three albums versus Jay's first three albums. And that's it. And listen, I don't care how y'all feel about Marshall. Eminem cannot stay with Marshall in a hit battle. You said Eminem cannot stay with Marshall? I'm sorry. That's how that's how preposterous it is. DMX cannot stay with the highest selling rapper of all fucking time. I mean, DMX can't stay with anybody whose career spanned more than five years. And realistically, X is still around and we love him. And X is another one of, of those artists like, like Nelly who has songs that have longevity. It's just like, y'all don't realize that um, damn uh, Dougie Fresh been touring off the same two songs for exactly. 40 years. 40 years, that's all you need. And it's okay. Right. And but, a couple B-sides here and there, and then like your hardcore fans will love it. But Eminem had a song that was revived on TikTok late last year or early this year, but it was a song off of his last album. It's not like niggas went and dug up you know, hi, my name is Slim Shady and brought it back to life. It was a song from an album that he put out a year ago. And again, I will say this, that I can, we had this conversation in Slack. I can give Eminem all of his things while telling you that I'm not an Eminem fan. Like he's not for me and that's fine. But you're not going to take away from what he's done and who he is. But that's where the conversation gets weird because we live in America and everything is racial. And the black folks are always going to jump behind DMX, which is cool. I, I get it. Like, I understand the dynamic of race in America. I'm here. I'm black. I get it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a Candace Owen ass nigga. So <laughs> I understand that part. But at the same time, y'all going to stop disrespecting Eminem. Because when Eminem was popping, a lot of y'all niggas was right there with him. And Eminem is co-signed by some hood ass dudes. I'm talking about the hip hopiest motherfuckers. And Eminem done been on your street corner in your hood with somebody rapping. And it was cool back then. And I'm talking right. about those in the 90s when 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 the, the, the streets were a much darker place. Eminem was out there in Newark. Shit, and M- <laughs> you could wonder if, well, no, I think, uh, I think Eminem and Love and Hip Hop equally are responsible for Joe Budden's current popularity. Of course. You put I mean, him back into the conversation. Exactly. And... M validated him after he went on 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 Love and Hip Hop because y'all couldn't be like, oh, he's washed, he's doing reality TV. No, he's still over here giving y'all bars and rapping and doing all this other stuff. But you know, there's this other layer there. So okay, so they said Eminem and DMX, which I don't think is a good idea. Um, I brought up a conversation, and I'm having such a hard time remembering what happened before last Wednesday <laughs> or not, but. Did we talk about Buster Rhymes last week? We did, but there's more to talk about. Because okay. Buster, once again, was the guy who switched it up to talk about other battles. He co-signed the, another battle with uh, the conversations about Chris Brown and... And uh, Usher. And who Usher should battle. And people said, who should he battle? You know, Justin Timberlake was thrown around. Uh, but ultimately, the culture has decided that it's going to be Chris Brown. Even Trey Song. So- was mentioned so if if i ruled the world after i freed all my sons this would be the rules that i would establish for verses number one 
like props to Fadia and, and Instagram and how they have willingly seized this opportunity to turn this thing into a, as big of a thing as they can. But that's not the platform, right? We've, we've talked about this ad nauseum. I would love to see it exist somewhere where the audio quality can be better. Well, you know, here's the thing, right? If we play the record right now, the audio would sound amazing. So it's not hard. It's not impossible to do. And you're going to very, very capable people with all types of resources, even in a damn pandemic. And I don't, I don't understand why it can't be done. I think they don't want it to sound good. That's my theory. My theory is they want you to go to those playlists. I feel like they've cut deals with all these companies and they're getting paid and the artists are, you know, streams are tripling. They said that, uh, that, that Erica and Jill's streams tripled yeah, across the board. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of- and generated something like four hundred thousand streams streams between the two of them after the after their battle. Ridiculous. So you know, there's economics involved, but I feel like there's got to be some reason why they don't. You're you're working directly with Instagram, right? Versus and Instagram are in bed. Okay, so my first rule would be the audio. Sorry, my first rule is the audio. My second rule is this twenty hits thing, right? Like, you got to be able to come up with 20 hits. And if any of us would have actually stopped and thought about it when we were talking about Nelly, we would have realized that none of us could name 20 fucking Nelly songs, bro. I thought about that. But, you know, like, I'm okay with... because So what Nelly did have, Nelly had features. I think Nelly could have played 20 records. He just didn't. And the big thing in Sound Clashes is the selector. It's the, the, the person choosing the records right Right. i always say producers get the opportunity to play beats for a big artist they almost always play the the wrong beats right just get a nigga your laptop and let him play the shit himself and that's the thing is that i think that people are maybe underestimating it right so like you're not it's just like there are djs out there and you can tell well i can tell because i've been studying djs my whole entire literally my whole entire career all 21 years of it um, I can tell a DJ that had a set versus a DJ that, that didn't have a set. And I can tell a DJ that has verticals of a set, like ver- like a couple of different options, right? So that mm-hmm. they can they can play to the room, but still have a plan. You should have your songs, but you should be able to know, all right, boom, this is what he going to play. So when he plays this, I'm going to play this, no matter what order I thought I was going to play it in. So exactly. being clear on like, Vetting who we're including in these conversations and making sure they have 20 songs to play, I think would be one rule. And the third rule for me would be that these matchups have to be, um, these artists have to be in the same era. Like. So, so right. And I guess where it gets foggy is a lot of people don't realize like Chris Brown and Usher are 10 years apart. Right. Because Usher has, because Usher's career extended into when Chris Brown's career started. Right. And if you're honest, if you're honest, you know that Usher's last big, big, big record was Climax. What was Chris Brown's last record? Chris Brown. I mean, Chris Brown just dropped the project last week. Right, but that doesn't mean that he... But his last big record was um, Heat. I don't remember that. This shit got you in Heat? Da-da-da-da-da-da. That song? 
He had that and he had the song with uh was it was it him and Drake? No, he, I don't know. Maybe or was that Chase Songs and Drake? The I don't want to play no games, the, the no guidance joint. So no guidance is my shit. I don't know who okay. song that is. That's his song. <laughs> What's well, him and Drake? I'd say No Guidance is definitely his last hit, which I know and I enjoyed that video. My point being that if you were a person who listened to regular terrestrial radio, you've heard more recent, like you haven't heard a a new Usher record in a minute. I I agree with that completely. Um, He just dropped something recently and he's dropped things. Those things have not necessarily caught on the way that he would have maybe wanted them to. The project was Zaytoven like a couple years ago. And nobody paid attention. It's unfortunate. Um, but for that reason, to me, like, I wouldn't want to see... I don't know who out of Usher's generation I would want to see him match up with or who could go up against Usher out of his generation. And I don't know that there's necessarily anybody in Chris Brown's generation. Maybe Trey Songz. Like, that just seems like the natural... Trey Songz isn't Chris Brown's generation. Trey Songz is older than him. Not by much. Not by much, but he's definitely old. Trey Songz is out first. Yeah, but like they were out like a year apart. If they were, Trey might be a couple years older than Chris Brown. When Chris Brown first came out, his, you know, he was a little bit younger. When he came out running, I'm looking it up now, but they're not that far apart. I feel like, I feel like it's the conversation between an NSYNC fan and Backstreet Boys fan. That's a, that's a good, well, it might be. Right? Like, you could be somebody who was a New Kids on the Block fan and also a Backstreet Boys fan, or you could be somebody who only remembers Backstreet and Insane. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with that. But I think I think it's tough because Usher had a certain amount of longevity. Um, Absolutely. That nobody that came out when he came out had. Not no one. Usher came out, Sammy was around. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sammy was around, Case was around. Uh, Donnell Jones was around. Yeah, he came out during the Genuine. And Genuine came the closest because Genuine had a good little run. He did. Oh, see, now that might be... No. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm trying to count in my head. (laughs) No, it's not Genuine and Usher. That ain't it. What I would say is Genuine's got a lot of features and he was a part of a lot of records. Um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't count the twenty. Usher gets twenty easily. That's not even easily. Um, okay, so Chris Brown is active from two thousand five to present. Trey Songs is active from. Of course, you wouldn't give me the same information in the same place. Two thousand three to present. So they're literally two years. Okay. But in any case, that would be my thing. So to that, um, you know, you and I. Like I was saying, I brought up the idea during the week that um, Buster Rhymes is somebody who's who, in the same way as Ludacris, I don't think that we acknowledge enough the the magnitude of Buster's hits and the fact that from 1996 to 2006, Buster Rhymes gave you two to three mega hits every year. From 96, from when he came out with Wuha, I got you all in check, until 2006, which was uh, Passive Forcier or something like that. Or no, no, no. I think 2006 was Touch It. Oh, yeah. Touch It was massive. And he, even like, 
Oh yeah, yeah. No, Busta has these records that you forget you love until you fuck around and hear them. And that's what happened to me when I had that conversation. Was I started a radio station that brought up like five or six Buster records that I hadn't heard in a really, really long time. And I was like, oh shit, like, like even he had a song called Twerk It that was him and Nicki Minaj rapping in Patois and a lot of it. That was not necessarily a, a monster hit, but when you hear that song. What was the joint he had with, with Chris Brown? The uh, Look at Me. Look at me now. Look at me now. You look. You think about look at me now. You think about what Pastor Poirier was when that song came out. You think about break your neck. You think about um, uh, uh, what's the song that I'm blanking on right now? Got ass on fire. Give me some more. You think about um, like Buster had uh, huge hits, two to three a year, and you can look it up. You can go look at his discography. It's two or three mega hits per year. From 1996 to 2006. So the, the battle that they're putting out is him and Snoop. Right. And you didn't like that. I didn't say, I didn't, I don't see it for Snoop. And let me explain. Snoop Dogg is a fucking legend. Snoop Dogg has created crazy moments in hip hop. From his very first single, um, Snoop Dogg. We have a Snoop Dogg song that we that we played for today's show. That's on the list of, of songs that we fucking with this week. Snoop mm-hmm. has fun. Snoop got to a point, I think, where Snoop was just like, yo, you know what? I can just do music to do music now. Like, I don't give a fuck about anything else about it, about a look, about an affiliation or whatever. Snoop Dogg ha- appears as a main artist or a featured artist on 174 singles. Mm-hmm. Not songs. 174 singles. But if you run down that list of singles and you try to find records that are a hit on the level of Busta's hits, not songs that we love, not songs that were culturally impactful, not album cuts that our generation loves because we had to buy all of Doggy Style and listen to the whole entire thing from beginning to end. So we have an attachment to a bunch of records that are not actually singles. Songs that somebody who is not a very cued in rap fan would recognize, Snoop doesn't have as many as Busta. See, I don't agree. I think that Snoop is the exception to that rule. I think that Snoop's got records like Snoop could play a record with him and Tupac. That everybody. Right, that's a mega hit. That's Gangsta Party. That's a mega hit. I mean, Two of America's Most Wanted is one of his big hits. Exactly. But if I, if I, if I put a list, that, that probably wouldn't even be one that I would even think of. I, I went and I, I counted. And I, so definitely- I want you to make your list. I want you to make, I challenge you to make your list without looking at his discography. And then okay. take a picture of it and share it with us. Okay. Like, don't look nothing up. Listen, I'm going to say something. Huh? Death Row Snoop fan. I bought every Snoop album. Malice in Wonderland. I bought the, the No Limit albums. You know, I bought like both versions of What's My Name. Mm-hmm. And that's my- fine. But what I'm saying to you is I want you to think of records that are as big as Gin and Juice, as big as Beautiful, as big as Drop It Like It's Hot, as big as Two of America's Most Wanted. They all have to be that level of a hit. Okay. Right? 
and see if we can come up with 20. If you can come up with 20, like, I'll be fair, I'll be honest, I went through his list, and I would say, I wasn't short by much, but I had to look at his discography to come up with. Yeah, I, I really don't. Okay. So now, yeah, so write that down, share that with us. In the meantime, West listening? Indian Massive, like I really wish that we were in the studio right now so we could drop all the Toro horns, all the ba 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 ba, all the twa 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 twa, because apparently the next battle that is happening this weekend is between Bouncy Killer and Beanie Man. It's the first one that I'm actually excited about. Like it's the first one to me. Not no no no. I'll take that. Out. It's not the first one that seems e- like an even matchup. Cause that's not fair to say, because I think that um, obviously uh, uh, Timbaland and I think that Timbaland and um, and Swiss were definitely a good matchup. And who else do I feel was? I mean, obviously Joe Scott and Erica Badu was a good matchup. Uh, I don't remember who all. Oh, uh, Lil John and um, T Pain I think were were a good matchup as well. Um, in whatever issues I might have had. And even Teddy and Babyface, I think, was a good matchup. I just, you know, the audio ended up being janky or whatever. Um, there, were, but, there were more good matchups than there weren't. Yeah, absolutely. Because even the ones that, to me, were not, like, a good matchup, Sean Garrett is just a weirdo, so that one just was out the window regardless. And obviously, them niggas had some bottom, other shit. Bottom three are Sean Garrett, um, uh, Scott Storch, and Manny, and Nelly and Luda, easily. I forgot the Scott, Scott Storch and Manny Fresh happened. Damn. We're, we're gonna we're 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 gonna forget that that songwriter one happened because that was terrible. Okay, so if we completely eliminate that one because that one was completely terrible, I would also put um, I would also put I would have preferred to see Premier go against somebody else. Yeah, I'm not gonna put that one. Now. I don't know who it would have been. That might not have been the greatest matchup. Now, now that's a different. No, and, but they're both great, and it was a great moment for hip hop. Right. That, that's a different conversation. Like, there's a conversation to be had that it might be a mismatch or not the right match versus right. it was a good battle. That was a good moment. Just like Jill and Erica, that was a good moment. They just yeah. did it. But there were some that was like, why did y'all even do this? Which okay, we've like, been talking about fucking verses for 45 minutes, and so we got to move on to something else. Uh, but yeah, um, definitely a big shout out to um, to Timbaland and Swiss Beats because they actually, with everything that they've done with these battles, they actually won a Webby Award for, um, damn, what was it? Not sound. <laughs> um, damn, what was it? Let me see if I still have my notes from when I did the news earlier. Not sound. <laughs> no, it wasn't sound, you're right. It was the Break the Internet Award. At the 24th annual Webby's, they won the Break the Internet Award for the amount of noise they can make with these How did an internet uh, award show happen? Everybody can't go nowhere and nobody knew about it. It happened yesterday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was online. Who watched it? Uh, who usually watches the Webby's? Um, <laughs> like, do you ever pay attention to the Webby's? I have at, at, at some point. Can we just talk about the fact that, like, my dog is about to choke on a damn bottle cap? Like, she doesn't have 795 chew toys just laying around my house. But anyway, so 
uh, hopefully this bounty killer uh, Beanie Man battle does not disappoint. Uh, what else is going on in the world here? It was some other shit before we get to this music. So Future went gold apparently in 30 minutes on Friday. Yeah, because he already had a song out that was gold. That was platinum. Oh, that was platinum, yeah. That was multi-platinum. So that's right. how that works for you guys. In case some of you some of you didn't know. So Future tweeted on Friday that um, he literally said, went gold in 30 minutes, high off life. And the reason is because when the RIH counts streams towards an album for the equivalent sales or whatever, they count pre-release songs. And right. so Life is Good was certified four times platinum on May 8th. I call it the French Montana rule. The French Montana rule. Um, and as much as I hate to... I feel like my whole entire life is a 6 9 free zone. But I think... That's well, Takashi 6 9 free zone. Uh, no. I feel like that needed to be clarified. Um, this whole week... Because of him, Billboard has really been sitting there going like, no, here's how we come up with our numbers and so on and so forth. Because Takashi 69 released a single the same week as Selena Gomez, huge mega pop star, and Justin Bieber, bigger mega pop star, did a song together after they were obviously a couple at one point who had this big old breakup. And so their fans who wanted them to get back together were already going to run that, run the numbers up on that song anyway. That's the hill y'all man's decided he wanted to go die on. So I don't really care about that guy. And I don't really care to talk about him too much. But what I will say is I do appreciate the uh, billboards transparency um, and their response. And then they removed his entire chart history. Entire chart history. Like, oh, word? You don't like how we do shit, my nigga? You don't even have to be here. Was it Ariana Grande? You sure it was Selena Gomez? Oh, no, you're right. It was Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber. Still, my point is, like, damn. Read the room. Well, no, he, you know, it's, it's somebody who's starving for attention. People are giving it to him. Um, yes. I'm not going to waste too much time on this guy. But, you know, one thing about Billboard is a lot of really good songs have not charted in history. A lot of songs that we consider, a lot of songs that have sold a lot have not charted. Songs right. that singles. Like, so we've all been wondering what the hell Billboard's been doing. Um, and that's changed over the years. And obviously in the streaming era, uh, we're at a different place with Billboard. Also, just for the people out there, the RIAA and what they do is not connected to what Billboard does. Right. It's two separate things. Two Billboard separate things. is documenting airplay the RIAA is documenting sales. Right. And the only intersection there is that the RIAA had to start using streaming as an equivalent for sales. Right. Because a lot of us are not buying actual albums, but we're playing them. And so that's that's the only intersection. We wouldn't need them. We don't need the RIAA anyway. So goodbye. Don't tell niggas they can't go platinum no more. Um, Speaking of which, J. Cole just got seven new gold uh, certifications and three new platinum certifications this week. Um, Neighbors from 2016's For Your Eyes Only became a double platinum on May 14th. And then um, 
Under the Sun, which is a song with Luton, the baby that's on uh, the Dreamville Revenge of the Dreamers project. That became platinum. And what's the other song? The other songs are songs I've never heard in my whole entire life. So here's the thing. We need some transparency, period. Like record sales and streams are the least transparent thing in the history of transparency. You think like, so? Imagine, so let's say you wanted to talk about how many worldwide sales, right? So if you go look at worldwide sales, you'll only see it reported for certain artists. There are huge artists. There, you can't find the worldwide sales on Jay-Z, which is absolutely mm. But you can find the worldwide sales on DMX. Makes zero sense. There's no, there's no. Do you no, think maybe for certain artists they just stop counting after a while? No, I just think they they're barely counting. Like it's it's like a pick and choose. Like Billboard hides behind their paywall, and they've always hid behind. Okay, well we're only doing this with these people. The RAA has never been transparent. Their website is trash. If you look up, yo, uh, how many albums is this is this artist currently at? Right. Let's say you put out an album, Ty. You put out an album today. In a year, if I want to know how many albums... It's going to be called Sons of the Fucking Project. (laughs) If I wanted to know how much that album sold in a year, I couldn't find it. There's no way. We're waiting for them to report. But we got to, you know, we got to find out, like, did this particular album go gold? Uh, No, it's at... Where is it at? Is it at 340,000? Like, what, what, what is the fucking number? Right. Number now y'all got these streams, but the streaming services are all doing their own thing. We don't have an internal. And data. you can't see the streaming numbers on every on every platform. The fragmentation in music is ridiculous. That's why the money's all messed up. So is- in any case, um, the four songs that went gold for um, J Cole, it's uh wait. So he got a. A third, the, the third platinum record was a song called Immortal, which was also on For Your Eyes Only. Mm-hmm. And then um, four songs from, from the same project, I guess, went gold. But nah, we, we really have to, and it, you know, this is one of the things that I'm passionate about, about um, transparency in music. You know, it's a lot of fake numbers, a lot of inflated numbers. You know, back in the day, it was, you know, reported that a lot of record labels and people would go and buy up albums just to go platinum and gold and all that stuff. And especially at the end of the Def Jam era and all that stuff, there was a lot of those albums. You're like, did they really sell that many albums? You know, they would ship gold or ship platinum or whatever the hell that meant. We need some actual hard data. Somebody has to be keeping track of that. If UPS can keep track of your package coming from China, everywhere it's going, every person that touched it, and and to your doorstep until you get a signature, then we can keep track of album sales, right? We got the technology to do it. So shout out to my man, Doughboy Philly in the building. I see you, my guy. Stacey Epps, lawyer extraordinaire. Hey, Ma, how you doing? Who else we got? We appreciate y'all checking in, man. This is the Chopping Block Podcast. Me and my host, who is trying to save her dog's life right now because we are quarantined. And, you know, once again, man, we're all going live. We got family behind us. You know, we got uh, all different things going on at home. Uh, can't wait to get outside, but make sure y'all staying safe. I'm seeing a lot of uh, a lot of people, you know, the, the, the country's opening back up. If y'all get back out, get back out there responsibly, man. Don't Please. get back out there before stop doing the same shit because you're going to get somebody hurt 
or killed. This COVID-19 series and the social distancing has saved lives. So let's continue to go out there, be educated, and listen to the damn science, man. And just be safe. Keep washing your hands. Keep covering your mouths. Like, wear your mask over your nose and your fucking mouth. Don't wear a mask and then move the mask to have a conversation. You're defeating the whole fucking purpose, dummy. Your homie outside, my man Jay Oliver said, yo, if you see me at Walmart and I'm wearing a mask, we just gonna do this. Okay. No, we can have a conversation, but shit, I'm not moving the mask. That shit drives me nuts. Somebody came to my house today. Like, I don't want to be in Walmart. Like, all these people trying to move around us. We can go outside and talk. The post, the um, the pest control people sent me a message to tell me how they're practicing social distancing, this, that, and the third. But I had a new service that they were starting for me today, so I had to sign something. And the young man came to my door with his mask handing right under his mouth. And I didn't want to go into auntie mode and lecture him, but like, you're defeating the whole entire purpose and you're, you're just dumb right now. But anyway, let's get back into this. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us or rejoining us on Instagram, this is the chopping block podcast. Um, and right now would be a great time for us to tell you that we are being sponsored by whatever business or service you have, including all you people out there making those cool, bedazzled, um, and customized masks. Uh, masks if you would just holler at us. Hey, I got to shout out my boy Doughboy once again because we were just telling this story. He said, yo, he said, tell him how you wouldn't let me in the crib. You damn right I wouldn't let you in my fucking house. And that's my brother. I love him to death. You know what I mean? But like I said, look, we're trying to stay safe. I want to hang out with my homies. I want to go out and chill with my boys. You know what I mean? Like, I want to get back in the studio, which I will be doing soon. Um, but at the same time, I want all of us to be safe. You know what I mean? Right. So about me, like... I want everybody to be safe and I just need to take care of all my brothers and sisters around me and make sure that we not, you know, doing nothing crazy. So. And I have a very, very small number of people that I've interacted with since all of this started. And when I say small, I mean less than 10. Um, and I just realized yesterday that none of those people have children except for my sister. And the only reason why I'm around my sister's children is because they might as well be my damn kids anyway. And if something happens to their mom, they come to me regardless. But all of my friends with kids are like, yeah, that's cute. I'm not playing these 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 uh, ball heads, Scallywag games with y'all. Right. <laughs> I'm over here. Um, so I don't know why it took so long, but they just canceled the Dreamville Festival for 2020, like this week. I mean, I guess they were trying to wait and see, you know, what was happening. But they are offering full refunds. So shout to them for that. Which is a lot more than we can say for a lot of these other festivals. Because he's tough. And I mean, I kind of feel for people. Like, people are definitely in panic mode um, at the idea of having to give you back this money. Because I'm sure they're not getting back their deposits that they've paid or whatever. Sure they went but, huh? I'm pretty sure they went and got a loan. They, they definitely um, had, you know, there, there are people out here that are helping with those types of things. I think South by got a bad rap because people wanted their money back right away. Right. And, and that was, that was that if you ever done any event, you know, when you get the money, all the things you got to spend on the overhead and stuff, it's damn near impossible to give people their money back right away. So and I feel like- not even just that, but South by was in a different position than everybody else in that shit shut down a week before South by was supposed to happen for a week. And they didn't you know what I'm saying? So they, they had invested a certain amount of money into the festival that somebody who's looking at a festival in the fall had not yet spent. 
Right. So um, originally they had pushed it back to August. They had pushed the um, Dream Mill Festival back to August. And then they announced on um, last Thursday, I think, that they were going to go ahead. Actually, no, I'm sorry. On Saturday, they were going to go ahead and cancel it altogether. Um, and like Sis said, uh, all event, all 2020 event ticket holders, including those that previously requested a refund, will be automatically refunded on or before May 22nd. And it will take seven to 10 business days for the funds to be returned to your original payment method. I appreciate it. Shout to them, man, for figuring that out. Hey, big up the DJ Epps, man. Florida in the building. Yo, not just Florida. Sock passe to DJ Epps. You can't like, Epps is the most Haitianist of all of us. That's my guy going back 20 years. Shouts to Epps. Legend, legend, man. Big shotty in the building. Down. Um, um, and an extra special shout out to him just because it is Haitian Heritage Month. Monday was Haitian Flag Day, which is our biggest holiday. Like our Independence Day is on New Year's. So Haitian Flag Day is bigger than Independence Day for us. Um, and that is the celebration of the day when one of these GS generals that decided they were going to send the French away, brought a French flag to this woman named Catherine Flon, and she ripped out the white and sewed the red and the blue together to make the first Haitian flag in, uh, May, on May 18th of 1803. So shouts to all my Haitians and all my Zoes. And if you want to know what the difference is, we can have that conversation on another day because this is a podcast about music. And we done lost all our notes because my dog is driving me nuts today. Oh, a uh, shout out to, it's like a little baby. And like, I can't put her in her crate because if I put her in her crate, then she's going to start crying. And then we gonna have crying dog all through the background of the day. <laughs> so today's episode is being sponsored by Kiko Chanel. Um, I think next episode, I'm going to bring my kids. The <laughs> leader of the ratchet, the, the sophista ratchet girl dog gang, you know, Black Roses style. I don't chew nothing except today when I want to start chewing all the things that are not meant for me to chew. Um, so shout out also to Questlove. Questlove is doing a fundraiser with the Food Network. It's a show called Questlove's Potluck. And it's going to be him and a bunch of his celebrity friends joining him on uh, via, via uh, remotely from their kitchens, sharing their favorite recipes and actually cooking, doing cooking demos. Um, so that's including Bun B, Tiffany Haddish, Hannibal Burris, Patti LaBelle, Eva Longoria, and Black Thought. And the show is actually being produced by Black Thought and Questlove launched a, produ- a film production company. And this is like their second deal. That's and so it's a pretty cool. big deal. So shouts to them, pushing boundaries. I'm really sad about that because, man, you got to look at all that good food and you can't taste it. That part. Yeah, but I mean, that's usually, you know, as somebody watching the Food Network, that's usually how it goes too, right? Nah, they be eating that shit. <laughs> no, they be eating that shit, but, you know, us oh, watching the show, we're not eating nothing. I'm just saying, if, I, if I'm in the kitchen and I, we all talking about food, man, I want to taste something too. <laughs> but I mean, theoretically, if you're doing a cooking demo and I have your list of ingredients ahead of time, that means that I should be on my side doing the same thing you're doing awesome. yeah. and coming out with fairly similar results. Damn you, COVID-19. And do what? I just said, damn you, COVID-19. Damn you, COVID-19. But we're going to come out better than this on the other side. Um, All right. Tons of new music this week. Uh, We're going to kick it off with Tory Lanez, who just dropped a whole entire project and is back with whole new music that isn't on that project. You know, know we call him Tory Lanez around here. 
Yes, Tori Lanez, my fifth or sixth favorite Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> that is is the, the prime minister on that list? My cousin, my so I have a cousin who's six months younger than me, who's the boy version of me. He's at the very top of that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, then is um, Cardinal Official. Mm. My girl Linda, well, no, my girl Linda Day comes before Cardinal Official. So shouts to Linda. Linda's a, a journalist. Uh, OG Triple OG journal, um, music journalist and a very good friend of mine. Then Cardinal Official. Um, then Kawhi Leonard and Drake are maybe tied for fourth. Kawhi's not Canadian. Oh, he's not. He just was playing for Toronto. Okay, well, take him off and put uh, put put Jim Carrey on there then. There you go. Yeah, Kawhi's from uh, San Diego. I feel like there's somebody else that's Canadian that I'm like very you know that I love. I don't want to get beat up. He's from the Inland Empire. Sorry. Sorry, Callie. I'm so, sorry. Okay. So Tory Lane's dropped the joint. It's called Temperature Rising. He dropped a visualizer for it yesterday. And then he well, earlier this week. And then today he actually dropped the video for it. And it, and it was produced by one of the homies. So it's produced by Super Miles and Dope Boys Music, who was actually uh I don't know if they're brothers, but they're two uh badass German dudes. Um, they are I Stand It Alone. Uh, they were in Atlanta for our Beast of the Beast a couple years ago. Um, shout out to the Arabic family. Um, I'm really excited for those guys because they are incredible, man. Shout out to the whole uh, European uh, I Standard family. And you know, I'm always more like Tory Lanez is one of those people where I actually want to hear him sing more than I want to hear him. Like he's the opposite of Drake for me. I want to hear Tory Lanez sing. I could live without hearing Drake sing ever again. I like Tory Lanez rapping. <laughs> That's just me. No, it's not just you. It's a lot of people. Um, gunplay back, y'all. Uh-oh. Gunplay is back. Uh-oh. Carol City, what up? I don't know where Gunplay has been, but Gunplay is back. Um, dropped a new record called Pyrex Poppin'. And yeah, Gunplay came back and basically dropped whatever the last song was that he recorded before he went wherever he went. There you go. <laughs> I, I, Did you feel I, like that too? Like it wasn't a bad song, but it just felt really, it sounded really dated to me. Nah, because I think the last joint he put out, I really enjoyed. Um, so. But he was on, he was on Rick Ross's album, right? He was on Port of Miami too. Yeah, he was on the record and it was, it was a bop. So. Um, it was a bop. This new joint sounds very much like um, that era when, um, when Rick Ross was doing all the records that were named after somebody. Uh-huh. Remember when he did John Doe and then he did, um, I think I'm Big Meats. Like it sounded like that era. Okay. I got you like 2006, 2000. Yeah. Which, you know, Miami, I think, I think Miami has a very, very unique sound. And that's one of those things that I love about like the city girls, right? Like the city girls sound like they're making the same music that Trina was making when she first came out and it doesn't sound dated. It doesn't sound old. It's just what Miami sounds like. So, you know, gunplay, at least gunplay is back and gunplay is not trying to reach for anything else. You know who else is not trying to reach outside of his comfort zone? AZ dropped a new record because that's what seems to be happening right now. Now that the old men don't have, (laughs) now that the rap uncles don't have to go outside to record music because everybody, I guess the playing field is level and they feel like it's okay for them to record at home now. I don't know what happened 
to make older rappers feel like this year was the year that they needed to just come back. But we've been talking about how dad rap is back for like two, three weeks now. Right. AZ dropped the record called Found My Niche. Oh, did he? After all this time. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert, it's the same niche he was in when he dropped uh, the Firm album 30 years ago or 20 years ago. Like, it's not a bad song per se, but it, you know, it, it sounds like what you would expect an AZ record to sound like. Do with that what you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, Snoop Dogg, on the other hand, dropped a record called I Wanna Go Outside, and he did it with a video. Uh, the video mostly consists of him playing basketball inside of his house. And that was the only thing that annoyed me about the song was that it was a glaring reminder that Snoop, you in the house and me in the house is not the same. Not the same at all. At all. <laughs> I appreciate you, you know, capturing the sentiment. And you know what's really cool about the song? I feel like Snoop has the ability, the same as he did with sensual seduction or sexual eruption, Snoop could take a song that would sound gimmicky and like a fake song if anybody else did it, but he'll do it and it'll be convincing. So that record is out there. Um, it's some new joints that I saw for uh, from a few Brooklyn artists that got me really excited because I feel like New York is finally starting to find its, um, its niche again, AZ. Um, so we've been talking about the Brooklyn drill and we've been talking about how it sounded like these guys were rapping over the same beat over and over again. And I think this week Flip De Niro and Casanova gave us records where the beats sound or the cadences sound similar to that Brooklyn drill sound without it being the exact same beat. So I'm excited about that. Did you, did you feel that like out of those records or was that just my imagination? That's how I felt. I felt like they were trying to differentiate themselves, but I wasn't excited about the records themselves. See, I'm excited about the Casanova record more than the Flip De Niro record. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Casanova has a song, though, that is like one of my favorite songs. And so I'm probably more pre... No, actually, no. I haven't really heard much from Casanova that I didn't enjoy. Whereas, um, and I think that Casanova has a better grasp on who he is as an artist, whereas Flip, to me, it sounded so, like, so much of a departure from what I've heard from him before that Flip De Niro, to me, sounds like an artist who's really trying to figure out what his lane is. Well, Casanova, to me, sounds like Uncle Murder 2020. But less boring? <laughs> That's cool. I, Uncle Murder was never boring to me. Well, not boring, but less limited. Uh, what was, oh no, Uncle Murder was another one of those artists that kind of um, fell victim to the whole Rockefeller shuffle. He did. But, you know, Uncle Murder just had that aggressive, I'll punch you in your face wherever I see you. Mm -hmm. Energy. His so, name is Uncle Murder. Right. You know, so you, you appreciated it, you expected it, you knew what it was. You know, it was like MOP, you knew what it was. I appreciate Casanova because I know what it is. Mm -hmm. um, I know the energy, but I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to be excited about New York rappers. I think the drill thing is the first time where I'm like, oh, okay, y'all got something. That's right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like listening to these two, so we listened to that one. We listened to um, Flip De Niro's record. It's called, um, 
why is this nigga looking at my table like that right now? I'm sorry. It's called Jump Off. And then we also listened to a new record by UFO Thieve called um, Fentanyl Flow featuring Fat Joe. Shout out to UFO Thieve. Um, my first time hearing him was like two, three years ago at A3C. He did some stuff, I believe, with my homie uh, AO, the, AO. I think AO just had a record. AO uh, used to be the content manager for iStander. He's also a part of the creative fam. Shout out to AO. So um, I just feel like we're getting to a space now where New York rappers are not chasing an Atlanta sound or a Cali sound or whatever. Like they're starting to figure out what New York sounds like again. But here's the thing. New York sounds like a London producer who borrowed their sound from Chicago. So let's give them room, right? Like, because this Brooklyn drill thing is all of maybe a year and a half, two years old at this point. And, you know, pop. so can we just can we get to the news about uh, uh, the posthumous album? Because I think it ties in right now with this conversation. Was I think I feel like Pop Smoke was the flagship guy for that. And I feel like what's going to happen is others are going to struggle to carry that that flag because he was so big, so mm-hmm. fast. And, um, you know, after listening to like Fivio and, and these other guys, it's like, that's cool but it's not the same energy. So last Thursday, um, Steven Victor, Pop Smoke's manager, uh, re- released the cover art for his posthumous album. And that album is going to arrive on June 12th. And he didn't give a title. He didn't give it a, t- he didn't give a title. Okay. Um, the cover just says Pop Smoke, June 12th. Um, and the caption for the IG post just said June 12, 2020. So I don't see a name for this posthumous album. I don't know if it's going to be a um, an eponymous album just named after him. Um, obviously, you know, we have less a little less than a month until that project drops, which means that we'll be getting a single probably soon. And if you guys will recall, when we first find out found out that this project was coming, Stephen Victor was tr- throwing around some really, really big names for... Um, some really big names as to who was going to be involved with the project. So yeah, so new pop smoke coming on June 12th. So you guys can look for, you know, the, the cover drop last Thursday. I'm going to guess that by the time we come back to record an episode next week, we will have either a track list or a single. Nice. Um, all right. So back to this new music. What else do we have this week? There's a lot of R&B and R&B leaning things. First, I want to shout out Rob Markman because Rob Markman is continuing to drop his records. Um, he's done one a week, I think, for as long as we've been on quarantine. Um, this one, he made it a point to talk about the fact that he is not like he's Rob Markman. For those of you who don't know, Rob Markman, Rob Markman and Shaheem Reed made MTV create a platform for mixtapes. At the height of the mixtape era, they made MTV pay attention to mixtapes. There used to be a mixtapes Monday, mixtape Monday section on MTV, and it was because of these two guys. Before he was a genius. And so there's a lot of people. And before he was doing that, he was, I want to say, at Double XL. Like Rob Markman is a journalist who's been working in this business in hip hop for over 20 years or for about 20 years. He could call in all of the flavors. He could get all of the verses. 
Um, and I'm talking, when I say all, like, I, I would say that Rob Markman could get a Jay-Z verse on the strength. Like, maybe not on the strength strength, but he could get a Jay-Z verse. Basically, and, he could be, huh? he could be French Montana. He could be French Montana. You said he could be French Montana. <laughs> but he made it a point to point out to us that so far as he's been releasing music, the only features on his projects have been new artists. He hasn't reached out to anybody that's established to give himself clout. That's true. So kudos to Rob Markman and shouts to St. Pat Beats, who uh, has been behind the last few joints that he dropped. Um, yeah, solid, solid production, definitely. Brockhampton did it last week. And last week, we only listened to one of the songs they dropped, which I fucked with. They did it, but they had actually dropped two. They did the same thing again this week. And again, um, on this one, one of the songs is called Twisted, and it says featuring Ryan Beatty and Christian Alexander. The other song is just called Mob, M-O-B. Um, so, one is a song that sounds like a Kanye tribute. Twisted. Okay. Um, MOB, and this is this is what I enjoy again about Brockhampton is that these two songs that they released are both good. They don't sound nothing like each other, and I still don't know who the fuck any of the people in Brockhampton are. <laughs> like this twisted joint that yeah, says Ryan Beatty and Christian Alexander. Like I don't know if they're members of Brockhampton or they're like extra homies that got tapped on these two records. We got we got to make it a thing to go find out who's in Brockhampton. And it wasn't, um, it, it's not hard. Like I know, I know the first time I heard them was like on some late night work session where I took a song that I liked and I started a station and one of their songs came up and I enjoyed it enough to go and listen to their album and actually look them up to find out that it's like a collective of like six or seven guys from Long Island. Oh, they're from Long Island. See that? I believe I so. Um, from Long Island. Um, and one of them is queer and has never been hesitant in any way, shape, or form to talk about that in his music. And as a matter of fact, the joint that you said that sounds like a Kanye tribute, um, he's talking about, you know, boys kissing and all this other stuff. And I think that, you know, as close-minded as our generation of rap fans were, I think it's really important in a world where we are making spaces for people to be, like, fully living in their truths. I think it's important for these kids to also be able to find rappers that are rapping about the things that they identify with. Agree completely. Um, every time I hear Sid from the internet, I think about this artist that used to be signed to Warner Brothers and then she used to be signed to Lil Scrappy. And her name originally was Chink Brown and then they changed it to Miss Brown. Um, obviously the name Chink Brown was going to be an issue, right? And the reason why is because like she had, you know, slanted eyes and so... <laughs> just 15 years ago in hip hop, it was okay for you to name an artist Chink Brown and nobody thought about how offensive that might've been. But the other thing that always stands out and the reason why I always think about her when I hear Sid is because like they made this girl sing songs about boys. Like we didn't all know she was gay. Like she didn't, she couldn't even pull off the pretend, like she was not, there was nothing femme about her. And I remember the last time I saw her perform, she was singing this song where it was supposed to be about a guy, but she had very much the mannerism of a tomboy. And so she looked like, you know, like hardcore little Kim rapping hands singing this very sweet, soft ballad. 
And I'm just excited to hear, you know, artists being able to be open about what the fuck they're doing and know that even if there are some people who are closed-minded and stupid who are going to be offended by it, guess what? You don't got to listen to them. There's a whole bunch of people that will listen to them and be happy. Absolutely. Like, there's no space for hate. It's just not. And I don't care how old you are. I don't care what reality you grew up in. This is the reality we live in now. Um, our family members have been suffering. Your family members have been suffering. Um, whoever you are uh, out there watching, your family members have had to hide your granny, your uncle. I keep telling people, yo, your granny, your, your grandpa, the only reason they together is because your granny had to pretend like she liked men because it was frowned upon her family. Or, you know, they were two people who came to an agreement and said, look, your auntie and your 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 play auntie was her girlfriend. I'm sorry. Or your play uncle was <laughs> your granddad's best friend, whatever. I'm just saying that it's it's normal. It's very normal. It's 100 normal. Society tries to paint this picture um of things being abominations and not normal and all this stuff. Man, these things have existed as long as uh humanity have existed. They are that natural. So if you think otherwise, I don't care. Go choke on your Bible. But also, like, you know, there's enough content, music, video games, films. There's enough of everything out there for you to just not pay attention to the shit that doesn't work for you. But that's what people want to do. People would rather spend all their days worrying about all the things they dislike instead of just going to be happy. See, like, like for example, me. Um, Jordan Lucas is still out here riding this wave of this this Will Smith song that he put out there because Jordan Lucas is the king of gimmicks and he got Will Smith to jump on a remix and I didn't listen to it. But I have to say that that song is... Uh, Vanessa's a mess. That song is uh, produced by my homeboy, Crank Lucas, um, who is a really funny... No relation? Producer, uh, no, no relation, I don't think. He's from D.C. He's a um, he does a lot of like comedy skits, but he's also a fire producer. He actually won the I Standard Showcase in D.C. Uh, about a year and a half ago. So nice. Um, um, it's the dope record. I listened to it for Ty um, and Will. Will Smith is is people were like, oh, my God, Will Smith's rapping. I'm like, fam, where have you been? Will Smith jumped on a song with his kid. out rap A year him. ago. And rapped in Spanish with him and Nicky Jam. So I don't know where you've been at. Wasn't it like last year? That was all of last year. Yes. Oh, okay. But before we hop on off of that, I wanted to say that um, Tyler, the creator, also dropped, dropped a song called Boyfriend. And it's a super flex. Tyler does not say a single solitary word on the entire song. The whole, all the vocals on the song are um, Charlie Wilson. And is it Santee? it's not Santee Gold. It's, uh, damn, why did I forget it that quickly? Yeah, it is Santi Gold. Charlie Wilson and Santi Gold. Charlie Wilson singing, Santi Gold doing background vocals over, I guess, Tyler production? So the, 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 the whole, the whole, uh, I, I believe like today's the anniversary of Igor. Ah, I'm okay. Gonna, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go finish my review. You're gonna go finish your review of Igor. It's like ninety percent done. Yeah, we be just like just like my damn review of uh, Revenge of the Dreamers. Maybe yeah, I can I, do that uh, for their anniversary too. <laughs> I loved Igor. Like I loved it, but it was like I couldn't listen. It was so intricate. 
and so much, I just had to quit because it was so good. So that's a testament. But then we got help. So now, you know. But yeah, you're right. It actually, the um, Igor came out May 17th of 2019. Okay. So, so you know, it's still in the same area. And the cover for this this boyfriend record is the same cover as Igor that I saw anyway. What I think is this might be some kind of leftover because both of them were featured on Igor as well. Okay. Um, what else we got? Because now we got to push through this real quick because we spent so much time on freaking versus. Gosh darn it. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of good R&B and R&B vibes this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to shout out first uh, Elliot Trent, who I did not know who he was. He dropped a new song called Motions uh, this week. And I had to go look up who he was just because I enjoyed the song and I wanted to be able to tell y'all who he was. And he is a songwriter who has written for uh, Chris Brown. He wrote flashbacks on the Indigo album. He's written written for Usher on that Zaytoven project that we mentioned earlier. Uh, He's from Columbus, Ohio. And he uh, dropped another single. Actually, no, he dropped the single Motions back in May. I mean, back on uh, the 8th of this month. And then came back with a video for it this week. Yeah, that's what happened. Mm. I was a little confused. I thought we were talking about two different songs. But that who, that's who he is. So, again, Elliot, Elliot Trent, uh, look into him. Kyle also came back with a record. And I had to go look up because I couldn't figure out if this was the same Kyle who had that I Spy record. Huh? You see his movie on, uh, you see his movie on Netflix? No. <clears throat> it's fire. So it's about him or like he's like, it's, a, it's based on like his life. Oh, okay. Him running around NYC like as rap battles and it's starring a bunch of people. Like it's a really good. Really? Yeah. I was well, this song that he dropped this week is more of like on, on an R&B tip. And I, to, I totally enjoyed it. It's called What It Is. Um, I'm trying to push through these really, really quickly. Anthony Hamilton dropped the record. Um featuring Rick James, which we don't know how we feel about as a collective. <laughs> Is that not true? Did I make that up? No, you didn't make it up. I'm just, I'm saying the, the part about featuring Rick, listen, just because you, you sample somebody doesn't mean that they're featured on the record. So stop putting it. Well, here's the thing that I can say about Anthony Hamilton as soon as I plug in my laptop before you guys lose me completely for the day. The most exciting thing about Anthony Hamilton's career in recent years has been his backup singers. That's gotta feel away. That's gotta be a, 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 so you know, I can understand him feeling like maybe he needs to grasp at straws. Listen, I just wanna hear Charlene again. Man, Charlene, Charlene is one of those records. But anyway, so the song is out there. It's called Back Together. Um, And then Roe James tapped Brandy for a new record called Plan B. Um, And Lloyd dropped a new record called Slow Wine Baseline featuring Teddy Riley. And it sounds terrible. It sounds like Teddy's versus battle. (laughs) <laughs> oh, 
I didn't want Lloyd to win so bad. Lloyd, see, when we talk about that generation of artists, Lloyd is the one who whose career shouldn't have died, but for whatever reason, every time he tries to bring it back, it just doesn't connect. I mean, we know the reason. What's the reason? The reason was he he lost in the math, the aftermath of the demise of Murder Inc. And that has forever tainted his career. Oh. He went down I with for- the jump. I forgot about that. All right, so real quick, some shout outs to producers that have put out some new content for us this week. Um, uh, Dead Mouse has dropped a new record. It says featuring the Neptunes. It's called Pomegranate. And, and you know, it, it pops up with a whole Twitter account and people in ape shit. Wait, Dead Mouse? It? No, the Neptunes. So I was going to say that I find it very interesting because when I listen to the song, I just hear Pharrell. And for the last, like, five, six years, we have not heard Chad Hugo's name on anything. It's been Pharrell all over the place. And we knew that's, Chad was around. But that's, that's what the Neptunes are. Chad is a producer. That's it. Well, I think we just get so used to Pharrell being the, you know, a co-producer and a songwriter and like vocal and the, the person, but Chad's never went anywhere. He's very much been the sauce behind things for years. So it's good to see the Neptunes. And I also feel like Pharrell has heard the whole chatter of Chad doesn't get enough love. Chad doesn't get enough love. And they're doing something that clearly says the tunes. Right. And I'm talking one person. I'm pinky. If one, say it again. If one more person shout mm-hmm. out Pharrell and don't mention Chad, I'm going baby powder in my hand and slap the shit out somebody. <laughs> But, you know, you always want to wonder, just like how we always wonder why we see so much Data Kiss and Style P and so little Sheik loose. I saw a really dope clip of Sheik telling a story about Missy and how she coordinated the Benjamins. We got to find that because it was fun. Yeah, definitely got to find that. And then the other shout out I wanted to give to um, was to the Alchemist. Alchemist was supposed to go on a European tour in March not even a tour for real. It was three pop-ups that he was doing with a brand that has stores in um, Milan and two other cities. I'm about to hit his Instagram and tell y'all exactly um, what it was. But in any case, so the plan was originally for him to do these three pop-ups. And what he did was he had a company that pressed um, some 45s for him. Um, And it was a two-sided record a very lo-fi E beat on either side, four minutes and 31 seconds, nothing excessive, had them pressed into 45s. And then for each city that he was going to do, it was going to be um, the, the the vinyl and a shirt, and I want to say a hat, different colorways for each city. And so obviously that all got canceled. Uh, and the three cities were Milan, London, and Amsterdam. That's what I thought it was, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. So obviously that got canceled. So he went ahead and did it um, through Bandcamp and everything is sold out already. All three colorways, every product that they had is sold out. You can still go on there and listen to the two records. Um, it's called Man of Many Hats. 
Yes, Man of Many Hats. So you can still go on there and listen to those and buy the records, you know, the digital versions of them, but every every product that he had. And I mean, you know, they were capsule collections. I think it was supposed to only be like 50 of each thing. But that's still really dope that you're able to to do that and get people to support you even in the midst of all this crap. So shouts to Alchemist. Shouts to Al, man. It's funny because the site that I found this on was like, one of these days, people are going to give Alchemist his proper dues. And I was like, didn't that happen already? No, Alchemist is one of the most celebrated dudes. Like, I don't know. Once again, it's just, it, you it, kids. It's weird. Like, I feel like some of y'all just ain't been around. <laughs> like, and then people jump in the conversation. It's like, where have you been? Alice, and don't want to know. See, that'd Alice, be the thing to me. The thing to me be that it seems as though... Like, remember I just said, I heard a Brockhampton song. I didn't know who they were. I went and looked them up. I found this Elliot Trent guy. I didn't know who he was. I went and looked him up. Just go and look people the fuck up. It's okay. And in that criticizing, and, 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 you know, I don't know, man. Do a Google. They don't. I just saw a video of, um, of Chris Rock saying that he discovered Lil Duval via Instagram. It's okay for y'all to find out about shit. Like I listen, you can look up hashtag late pass boogie on Twitter and see how often I am linked to shit. <laughs> and nobody dies. And I don't sound like an asshat saying that, you know, this new up and coming producer, the alchemist, is not getting his props. Like <laughs> Crazy people. All right, boom. Look, we're gonna speed through the the, uh, the this week's credit check real quick. Um, oh. If you go to the I Standard YouTube page or any of our social media pages, you will find our review of High Off Life by Future. Mm -hmm. What was your quick, quick uh, overview of that project? Well, uh, I if you're a Future fan, you'll enjoy it. If you're not a Future fan, you just shut the fuck up and. Let it play in the background. You'll enjoy it. If you're not a Future fan, you'll still find a few songs on there that you'll enjoy. Definitely. Signed, not a Future fan. Hey, you know, a couple Future fans came at us in the comments. So we're sorry. Uh, 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 what was it? Future Fandros? I just, yeah, it was I wanted, Future Fandros. I wanted to really uh, bounce off that real quick because there's also been conversation. People have been attacking people um, for having a conversation about Nicki Minaj. And I just want to uh, once again admonish her toxic ass fan base, Lisa mm. um, Ray, and it was Usher, I believe, who both gave props to Little Kim for obviously being the one of the the, the ladies at the forefront of the sexy uh, produce, you know, the sexy rapper movement. Right. Um, like I said, once again, if your ass wasn't there and you didn't see Nicki Minaj on MySpace because we was there. And we've seen her evolution. We've seen her doing everything Little Kim did. We Photoshop. saw her do the exact same pose as Little Kim on the hardcore cover. Pop, wrapped over Biggie, uh, Biggie versus. Did the whole video with warning and listen. Shout to Kim, but I mean, well, shout to Kim for sure. But y'all, these fan bases, man, these fans, they gotta go. Y'all gotta go. Y'all don't know shit. Y'all not even. Her fan base is so uneducated. I'm not even gonna get into it. I think it's I think it's the 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 either or mentality is what has to go. It oh. can only be one. That's the mentality that has to go. I can be a Nikki fan and a Cardi fan 
and a Doja Cat fan and a Meg The Stallion fan and a Rhapsody fan. And you should be, right. And a Tierra Whack fan. Then you're a fan of music, right? Not just to stand for somebody. But the problem is those people are not stand, they're not music fans. They're more intrigued with that person's popularity. Right. To the point where it warps their brain and they're actually just not realistic in life. It's so very weird. But uh, yeah, so anyway, back to this future project real quick. Um, we went through it. I think it was like, it, it was way too many songs. I think it was like 22 songs. Um, it took us forever to get through it. Uh, a lot of the production came from, you know, familiar names. Um, most of it at first, it felt like a lot of it was Southside. A lot of it was... You um, are Crazy. You uh, are Crazy had a few on there. Um uh, ATL Jacobs on there. ATL Jacobs on there a lot. I'm trying to do like, this. Will of Fool is on there a lot. Uh, Wheezy's on there a couple times. Uh, Take Keith joint on there. Take Keith is on there a couple times. DJ Spins. Future went to pretty much all people who have given him hits before. And some of, some of it to me sounded like um, Future was trying to recapture the success of previous things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think future is future and future gonna give you future regardless. Mm-hmm. My only um, critique and conversely, the songs that sounded better to me was the fact that because there's so many artists out there who are clearly um, futures stylistic offsprings, I feel like he needs to step his game up a little bit and um you know do some things like step out of the box a little bit and flex the fact that he is future he does have the ability of you know going gold in 30 minutes having a song that goes four times platinum in three months um and so that means that you can have access to a different type of production a different type of sound or whatever but you know future don't make music for me and we know this he gives me one bop a year and we're and i'm satisfied with my one bop a year I ain't even mad at it. Um, there's two projects I think that we mentioned last week that we hadn't had a chance to listen to yet. One was Deontay Hitchcock's uh, album, Better. And the other was Bad Bunny's new project, La Que Iban a Salir. I think that's what it's called. Um, so I checked both of those out this week. Uh, the review for Deontay Hitchcock's project is up on the site. Shouts to Young Darren and Michelangelo for helping me break that up. And, um, Shout out to Deontay Hitchcock and Brandon. Hold on, let me not mess up this man's name because it's one producer for the whole thing and that 100% worked for them. Uh, his name is, slow ass computer, Brandon Phillips Taylor. So shouts to the two of them. Y'all make sure you go check that out on the site. And then um, Bad Bunny, if the previous project, the Yo, Yo Hago Lo Que Me Da La Gana was, you know, him just being a ratchet dude and making music for ratchet niggas like him, this one is the girl album, but not in a like all crooning, you should let me love you ass way, but like it's a lot of, you know, like getting ready to go out with your girlfriend type music that wow. men can enjoy as well. Wow. It's good. 
It has just a, to me, it had a different energy than the, than the previous. It's way shorter than the other one anyway, but it just had a slightly different energy. It had a like very much like I made this for the chicks that are stuck at home and still want to be, you know, twerking in the house or whatever. <laughs> Always twerking with bad bunny. There's a song where the hook is like, she gave up on her boyfriend, but she ain't gave, but she didn't give up on twerking. And I'm like, yeah, I, I yeah, so, relatable content. Um, we're also working on previews for you guys. By the time you're hearing this, hopefully a couple of them will be up of the Scoob soundtrack, Scoob the album, which has a good variety of artists featured on it, including um, Charlie. P- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. A guy who got, uh, who got Wiz Khalifa on those streams and awards. Uh, Pink Sweats, Jack Harlow, Rico Nasty. Um, the girl, what's the girl's name that was on um, on that that Harley Quinn soundtrack that we liked? Oh, what was her name? Gal- Galactra. Yeah, yeah, something like that. She's on there. Sage the Gemini is on here. Mm-hmm. And so are um, Thomas Rhett and, you know, so it's a good, it's a good little mix of different things, which is cool. Uh, theme songs uh, by, by the band, one of my favorite bands, Best Coast. It's a really good movie, too, if you haven't seen it. I have not seen it yet because I just really can't give people $20 to watch a movie in my house. Not just yet. I'm not going to talk about how I watch movies in my house. You have children. It's different. Oh, uh, but I didn't pay $20 either. That's what's up. But we're not going to say anything incriminating on these on these here Instawebs. Uh, <laughs> we're also checking out Tiesto dropped a collab project called London Sessions. And what was the other thing that we said we were going to review? Not, uh, Noah Cyrus has an album out that features Scissor's new song. What was it called? I Got So High I Saw Jesus? I Got So High I Saw Jesus. Just wow. I get it, though. It's called The End of Everything. And then Charlie XCX dropped a project, too, called How I'm Feeling Now. So the credits for all those are on the site right now. And we're working on reviews for you guys. And I kind of rushed through these a little bit quicker than we normally would because we've already been here for going on two hours. Thanks for hanging out with us, too, y'all. We do appreciate that, definitely, 100%. All right, so what do we have to look forward to this Friday, sis? Um, Some stuff. One more week till Lady Gaga, you guys. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that. Wonder what uh, what vibe she's going to go with this year. Uh, While sis finds the list of projects coming out this Friday, I have some bad news for you guys. Bow Wow has announced that he's going to retire after his next project. Stop being pussy. You're going. Huh? Stop playing. But he did. I know he did. You're being, you're being funny. I'm not. Somebody is sad. Listen, Bow Wow was just on a whole ass tour. Somebody is sad about the fact that he's going to retire after this next album. You are a mess. Let Bow Wow be great. I mean, Bow Wow is great, and Bow Wow seems to not be able to accept his greatness. It's, it's been a rough road, man, being a child uh, 
child prodigy rapper and all that stuff. So anyway, um, the 20th, so that's the 22nd. Yeah. Uh, we are looking forward from, uh, we got a new EP from Florida, Georgia Line. Okay. Uh, everybody's, all the non-country people's favorite country group right now. Is that what it is? I, I feel like I know. I feel like I actually know a Florida Georgia Line song, so you might be right. Absolutely certain you do. I think everybody knows a Florida Georgia. They got a song with Nelly. There you go. Um, they do. It's coming out with Water, um, his new album, eighteen tracks uh, projected to be on that joint. Uh, we got Key Glock coming out with Son of a Glock. Uh, Young M.A. is coming out with Red Flu. Naturally. Good title for right now. Um, and that's really it. It's a really light week. Code of the Friend also is dropping something, which I think is interesting because I feel like he just dropped something like maybe February, January. Yeah, that I enjoyed. And I see a Gucci Mane mixtape-ish situation for next week, for Sunday. Carly Rae Jepsen is dropping um, something on tomorrow. Well, or Here today. Yo, what? I really want somebody to go and figure out why so many people that we haven't heard from in a really long time are now coming out with projects. Mm-hmm. Next week I is find- local, so mm-hmm. next week is 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 a lot more busy. But we know there'll be at least one or two surprise drops. Certainly, there'll be a bunch of singles coming out too. So, um, Russ just dropped a, a deluxe version of his project, Shake the Snow Globe. He dropped that on uh, yesterday, actually. Well, Tuesday. Um, and there's a couple new joints on there, but I didn't pay enough attention to the original to be able to tell you guys how many new joints are on there. Mm. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it always makes me laugh when I read the name. It's like a little darky. Little love- what? Don't even. Because you get to see all these cool names that rappers have. That little- rappers have. Little darky. All right, you guys. And once again, this is the Chopping Block Podcast, which is our audio iteration of the Chopping Block on iStandardProducers.com, where we do album reviews track by track. Uh, make sure that you are following the iStandard social media pages because we are now also going to be doing one album review live every week. But if you don't catch it live, you can catch it on the website as well. And uh, we also have the credit check, which is the most extensive listing of album credits that you will find on these here in web. So long as we can find it, we will share it with you guys. Um, he is at Scissor215 on all social media platforms. Except for Facebook. And she is at St. Boogie everywhere except for that same platform. Because we don't want to be your friends on Facebook. We don't want to be your friends on Facebook. Please stop sending us friend requests. It's weird. And, and definitely don't send me no, send, no friend requests and not like explain to me why the fuck you're here. But if your reason for being here is professional, please direct that request to Twitter or Instagram. I need more followers there. I definitely need more followers there. Uh, make sure that you check the pull up, which is this cool thing that Sis and everybody else uh, that is in Bounce Gang because the whole entire world is in Bounce Gang except for me. Um, but they do this cool collaborative uh, little sesh thing on Saturdays via Zoom. And I have started rounding up uh, Urban Entertainment News and bringing that to you every morning on Instagram. So far, Spotify and Audio Mac and YouTube, I think, is going to be next. 
called yesterday's news and it's literally that. So tomorrow I will give you guys today's news. Um, sometime in the morning, shooting for 9 a.m., not marrying myself to that. You can go find yesterday's news on my social media right now. Um, and I would love your feedback, your suggestions for things that I can do different other than attempt to straighten my hair because clearly I'm not about that. It's not my ministry. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're out. The brand is at iStandard. The, the podcast is at Chop Block Pod on everything except for Instagram where we are at Chop Block Pod. And we will be back next Thursday at 3 p.m. Keep washing your hands and covering your faces. Bye-bye. Stay inside. <laughs>